0: Um, I will start with the ranking reveal. Uh, so uh, I have seen, I believe, just about every Kubrick film, um, maybe except for the two he made before this one now. Um, maybe there's one out there that I'm missing, but I believe I've seen most of his work. Um, I have so much reverence and respect for Kubrick. I even have him on my Mount Rushmore currently, which is always fluctuating. Um, but that doesn't mean that his films are my favorite because they're actually not. I, I, I do like his films, but um, none of them are like, you know, I, I don't have like favorite Kubrick films. Um, so I went into this film, this film very excited and intrigued to see what an old Kubrick film pre Paths of Glory might look like. Um, and I just have to say that I was blown away. I fucking loved this movie. It was so fun. I was engaged the entire time, um, and it was really a treat to be able to Mm -hmm. try to look at moments where Kubrick was really becoming Kubrick. And I think that that's all over this film. I think it was also extremely interesting to focus on things that were ahead of its time, um, especially for a half-film noir um, type movie like this in this specific time period you were able to pinpoint in on par- parts of the movie where Kubrick was literally breaking holes in cinema which is one of my favorite things to discover on the show is to find little moments where things were happening for the first time in cinema and I think there was a lot of that in this film um, and it felt a ho- like a wholly unique film um, and we're going to get into why and um, my score for the killing let me write it in is yush,
1: yush, 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 an eight point five. Ooh, Thanks. eight point nice. five. Eight
2: point five. Nice. Central rating. It's a very central rating. Uh,
0: I will theory. be passing this. <laughs> I will be passing this on to Chris.
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't have that relationship with this movie. I thought this movie dragged quite a bit. Um, wow. I thought the inter- the Brilliant. introduction of the narrator was a good touch. I always knew where I was, and I always knew where the where the plot was moving to. Uh, I, I did. I, it's it, it suffers from that nineteen fifties movies drag where everything's you know just a little too like. What do you mean you're going out time tonight? It's like, well, I'm going out. And, what do you mean you're going out? I'm going out, and you have to like you get through that kind of like schlocky dialogue. I do think it does do a lot of things great. The entire scenes with the shooter are amazing. I think that this movie is a good example of like, if you see this type of movie from another director, it means that they're going to do something special. Kubrick definitely was setting himself up for a better career with this movie. And I think that he made better choices about the stories that he wanted to tell. Specifically, I think this not this really doesn't behoove him like as a storyteller this would have been good for someone like Hitchcock, like, you know, any other per- auteur at that time to take. It, it just misses the mark just slightly for me. However,
3: mm-hmm.
1: composition amazing. The the scene that I show is my favorite scene because it takes you completely out of the story because you're thinking, oh, it's this lovely heist movie. They're they're not going to show me anything like they didn't even hit that woman earlier, like they showed it off screen and then you get Full on, like shrapnel wounds in the face, and I was like, "Holy crap!" The third act of this movie completely changed the score for me. So, I'm going to, with that, share my ranking for the killing, which is an eight point three. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. That sounds like you're about like you're ready to. No, no, no. no. I have a lot of problems (laughs) with this movie. Oh, wow.
1: But (laughs) like the the third act, Chris has been doing
0: that a lot lately, huh? Like last show, he was like. It's giving so much praise to Duck
1: Soup, and then gave it like a six. <laughs> eats it's realistic. Uh, I, I I I give my reverence to Kubrick as a master, but I do not okay. stop him from critiquing. Like it, this movie could have been a masterpiece, very easily. Yeah, well, but again, it, it I, falls I think, short. I think for
0: the time, I think it 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 really did poke holes. Uh, but we'll get into for sure. all that. Who are you passing it to?
4: I'll pass it to Paul. Oh, well, thank you, Chris. Yes, behind me, if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> I have the lovely black lips of Marie Windsor. Oh, I play Sherry. Yeah. She, she was is great. dynamite in this was, movie. Absolutely wonderful. dynamite. Oh, I mean, it's uh, you're watching. I, I forgot how good she was. She, you know, mined a career in B movies. I had to go to Wikipedia to, to, to see her training. She brings her scenes with Elijah cook, Jr. To life. Oh man. She is a Marvel Uh, That alone took this movie into the land of eight, because again, for the benefit of viewers and listeners, uh, I used to, I used to come into these conversations with the performances, the performances, you know, and as uh, Yoshi noted today it doesn't come. It shouldn't complete your, it can influence certainly a final score, but it, um, it shouldn't be the overriding consideration. You just, the fact that <laughs> that's so funny, the earrings of Madame Day is age of innocence plus about 1.5. I love that. Um, if at all, but no, this was, uh, the killing, uh, this is probably the fourth time I've seen it. Wow. Uh, I, I just love it. There's so much to discuss, but, uh, I am right there with Yoshi. Gosh, I too thought Chris was going to uh, <laughs> to kill this movie. So I, I give it uh, oh, 8.5. Oh, nice. Well, see, and I put it. See, and I even put it in one day and one hour ago. I, I That's good. Say. So you know that yeah, that, 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 was that has been out. So I, I put. I should put these in a sealed envelope so
0: you know oh nothing is God. changing. So yeah. <laughs> they're like,
4: are you are you secretly texting Yoshi? Is he texting? No, oh no, 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 no.
1: Jesus. Okay, All right. Aaron, bring us home.
2: All right, guys. Uh, So I was pleasantly surprised to see another film noir grace our show. Um, As you all know, I took a film noir class uh, a year ago, actually, exactly a year ago. And um, this was one of my favorites from the whole semester. Um, So I was pleasantly enjoying all the cinematography and the acting, um, as Paul pointed out. Marie Windsor and Elisha Cook uh, Jr. were just phenomenal. I mean, the beginning of them entering this movie, the movie just comes to life. And they're just, I mean, I was cracking up. And, you know, she's just so mean and just so, like, I don't know, inner element, you know, and just the camera work and how we're moving with them and just, I mean it's it's magic on the screen. Um, so I'll go into it more, but Aaron gives this film a
0: signature. A signature. 8.8.
4: 8. 8.
1: 8. There we go. Yeah. Owie ah. owie.
0: Our Woo. first Kubrick film does very well.
1: Um, all right. That's very well. Love it. We're all in the eights. All right, gents. Let's see what the final score is. Four. An eight-six. The killing. Divided by four is 8.5. 8.5. Wow, so Paul and Yoshi split a point. Yes, right. However.
0: However. So uh, just to remind our audience, we are about to have a special guest come on the show to join us in this conversation. We're going to get into it on on our own Mm. for a little bit, but very shortly we will be joined by my good pal Jordan, who is on the TV show The, S- the Chosen. He plays little James. Um, so he'll be joining little us uh, to give his score, and that score will either bring our uh, 8.5 up or down, or possibly it'll stay the same. Or all um, the way so around. Right now our 8.5 for the killing is not a finalized score. It is still floating out there, and it is ready to be changed by one Jordan. So uh, let's get into it. I be, would be remiss if I didn't start with the acting because that seems to be something we all just talked about. And I would yeah. disagree wholeheartedly with Chris and push back a little bit in the sense that he was hung up on the 1950s of it all. Because for yeah. me, that was one of the actual things about this film that surprised me was those, those scenes with um, Elijah Cook Jr. and uh, Marie Windsor. Like those scenes felt like, and I think that starts at the top. It starts with Kubrick. It, it, it's creating an environment where actors are able to be natural, mm-hmm. even though at that time period that wasn't really how acting was done. So, again, another moment of punching through cinema, Kubrick creates an environment where we get to have these intimate little theater pieces in an apartment between two actors just going, letting it go. And and them two in particular, their scenes brought this film to another level for me.
2: It's but the way it was. Oh,
1: go ahead.
2: Oh I was just going to say just on that uh, Yosh that's phenomenal because if you notice their scenes together they're they're one shots we're not just taking okay yeah, yeah. cut after two lines let's new angle no they ripped it they ripped it for minutes and the lines were excessive intricate and they were in the fabric I mean these are true phenomenal theater actors I mean yes, they 100
0: the scenes of it Yeah and it felt like theater pieces these little theater pieces within
4: the movie yeah, you've got, you're in the hands of, you know, Jim Thompson, if you've not read The Killer Inside Me, The Grifters, please read them. <laughs> I know I, I sort of ring that bell every time we see a movie, and I, I want to go find the origin story or find the influence. But um, please, Jim Thompson, uh, his contributions to noir literature, uh, Marie Windsor, yes, she was trained by some elite uh soviet acting coaches here in hollywood uh it's just masterly work elijah cook carved out a brilliant career for himself um uh, erin you nailed it it was like that's it because that that camera work of lucian ballard who would later work on movies like the wild bunch and one of my favorite westerns of all time ride the high country it's just just these just we're gonna move into light then we move a little bit into -hmm. we're just gonna shade and we're gonna hear i was like Oh, my God. And they did. They just had these words that Thompson gave them, and they just brought them to life. And it, she was so believable,
0: even in death. I'm like,
4: oh, this is so good. It's just so good.
0: Elijah big- Cook Jr. kind of reminded me of um, – like if I was to – I was trying to figure out like who – because his archetype is very similar to an archetype we see in Hollywood now, I feel like. And and I came up with Martin Freeman, the guy who played the Hobbit, the mm-hmm. uh, Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit. He was I also... I, I wouldn't know say so. Yeah, you know?
1: I, know. I, I wouldn't say he's a... Mo- I would say he's William H. Macy and Fargo. Like, well, he's, that's he's so played. funny you say that yeah. because
0: yeah. I was thinking he was like a combination of William H. Macy and Martin Freeman, both who did Fargo. Oh, is, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They play the same character, like, too. Well, either way, I I, not not to derail the conversation too much, but it was... I, I'm curious if this type of like, you know, what would you say, like submissive the cuck (laughs) sort of cuck had been done in hollywood much before this because um i just think he nailed it it just he just nailed it for especially for the time
1: well even even not even just being like you know uh he he was getting two timed by his lady you know he was uh getting beat up by the guys but like he sold it like he was definitely he was conniving still like he wasn't submissive to everybody like he's like no, I made that story up in the moment to give you something to say when they were going to beat your ass. Like, I saved you. You need to, like, put shit down. But then, like, him having his, his like, comeuppance at the end where he's literally bleeding out, and he the last thing he says is, like, you know I wouldn't have done that. What did you? <laughs> Boom, and he shoots her in the stomach like a savage. Uh, but- it was epic, dude.
0: The only problem I have with that is, was he shot in the face? And then- so
1: with with a shotgun, you get birdshot or uh, birdshot was like they look like they, literally it just goes into you and peppers you. Like he could very easily have walked away from that because he wasn't in the main spray. That's what a shotgun does. It literally just sends out a bunch of hot BBs. So it was so in the, his face. But that he died why? from he died from just bleeding out then. Yeah, he died from a, a bunch of different shot, uh, shotgun pellets in. him. OK,
0: here's my next question. Even though I love the way that scene was shot, where yeah. where,
1: where everybody dies,
0: what happened? It's yeah. like it's like one shot went off and everybody was dead.
1: Well, if you looked <laughs> at how they were grouped, they were all grouped in a like. But it seemed like
0: only two shots went off. It was him uh, and the guy. Fired he his
1: revolver. The revolver.
4: You could hear it yeah. multiple times going on. Who yeah.
0: who shot the revolver? cook
1: the, the cuck guy <laughs> his cuck. Name, his name. well no cuck Cuckman cuck, cuck? cuck man was six for six with his shots no oh. no the other there were two guys
4: who came through the door you had yeah. uh, vince edwards and his uh the other character actor whose name i forget came through the door his accomplice had a revolver took the yes. guns out on the floor and then disappeared to go find where's george oh is george here so then the guy with the revolver went to look for george or george yeah. came storming out and then the gunplay and And everybody's It was a bit
0: of a turn to the wall for a massacre.
4: It was. It It was was. very much a a turn to the
0: wall.
2: Yeah. But for the 50s, that was a significant, gory
1: scene, you know? Even now, like, I've never seen anybody get hit by a shotgun in in a modern movie. Like, that's usually just, like, a boom, and then they get flown back, you know? Like, that actually showed what it was. But Um, Another actor that stood
0: out to me big time... um, was Timothy Carey?
4: Yes. Yeah. Oh, He's of course. Just wonderful.
0: Again, just I, I can't re- reiterate it enough. Is just there was all these moments in this movie that felt like they didn't fit for the for the year for the time. Yeah. Like he felt like he was doing something nobody else was doing at that time. Like even even if his choices like weren't really founded in reality, like and he was just drunk or something. I don't even know what what choices. It seemed like he made no choices, and it was just like free flowing, like completely free flowing because. <laughs> Some of the mannerisms his face was making and the sort of nonchalantness of his reactions were extremely expir- inspiring for me. Yeah, do, no. do you remember sure. who he is? Well, isn't he in Reservoir Dogs? No.
1: no. Well, he might be, but the guy you're talking about was the, the, one you, the, the guy you hated in Paths of Glory, the, like, drunk French guy. That's this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, so help me out. Who, I, who did I hate? So m- remember in the, the scene wait, wait, in wait. Paths of Chris, Glory. Chris, you have to go back. Yes. Chris, go yes. back.
4: Just yes. let the audience and viewers know, you had you put your tongue into Yoshi's mouth and then take it from there. You pull the tongue out and then you guys, cause you guys are watching Paths of Glory. I just wanna make okay. sure everybody's-
1: aware. Yes, so we, we were making out watching okay. Paths of Glory and I was like, hey, Yoshi, blah, let's look at this over here. No, Yoshi and I, prior, prior to the show being a thing, we were watching a bunch of films and then talking about it. We watched Paths of Glory together And there was this – when the gentlemen who are cowards, because they won't go over the top and go basically to their deaths, get sentenced, this gentleman starts crying, like sobbing to himself and asking for his mother. This is the same actor who played the shooter in The Killing.
0: Okay. Yeah, and Um, I'm pretty sure he was in Reservoir Dogs at all as well, um, which – which is something we should talk about. We should talk about yeah, the he, relationship. He, yeah, he
4: auditioned because I think it went to Lawrence Tierney. Um,
0: yeah, he was not he, in Reservoir Dogs. He, he was,
4: wasn't was Reservoir Dogs, but I know what you're thinking of because
0: they – It can says tell he the, was. It says he was. I'm looking right now uh, on his IMDb. I think he auditioned. He was Dedicatee. Dedicatee. So maybe he wasn't a main character, oh, okay. but he was in the movie. I uh, mean, regardless. he was also
1: in Godfather 3 – guard farter through <laughs> what the fuck yeah
0: um so a little context uh let's just we're, we're, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about that scene in particular where timothy Carey goes into the parking lot and then we're gonna bring jordan on so jordan sure. if you're listening you're coming in soon um timothy Carey is hired to be the uh, person who's going to sniper the horse which is going to be the main distraction that allows this heist to uh be successful. And so Timothy Carey, Carey pulls in to this parking lot, which is full, and an African-American man is working the uh, entry of the parking lot, the ticket. Mm-hmm. And he says it's full. Timothy Carey then improvises and pretends to be a paraplegic um, to find some kind of a brotherhood between him and this man. Um, so he's a, a p- former PO prisoner of war or a former uh, veteran who was injured um, and maybe he noticed while he was pulling in that this man had a limp. I don't know. But he, he knew somehow chances are we both were at war. So they, they find that common brotherhood. And then he decides to be nice to this man um, and gives him a tip, which um, then get, gains him access. Now, the African-American man ends up coming over to his car a bunch and kind of bugging him and getting in the way of the big plan um, because he's not used to white men treating him like a normal human being. And so he thinks we're going to be friends. And then Timothy Carey, regardless of what he really believes, decides that he has to be racist in this moment just to get this man out of here so he can shoot the horse. So that whole microcosm of a scene was extremely compelling
1: to me. And setting up the fact that he blows out his tire because the, the black gentleman comes over and brings him a good luck charm, thinking that he needs to repay the debt that this guy gave him Oh, bet on this horse. It's it's probably gonna win. He's like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Racial epithet. And then he tosses the the horseshoe down, which punctures the tire as he's trying to flee.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. and that's why he can't get away. That's why yeah. he can't get away. Popped and so, tire. and so racism
1: kills him. That's right. That's it. Yes. That's what Kubrick was trying to say. Racism that kills, it. man. That, wow. To your
4: point earlier, this is that's why this noir was shot in black and white. And I'm Paul Jackson, i be Unifying black
1: and white. There Woke Paul Jackson. <laughs> I get I get one point for that on the debate score. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Let's. Paul Jackson, you are the wokest member of the Dead
0: Cinema Society. Congratulations. Paul Jackson, uh, would you like to accept your award for unifying black yes. and white?
1: Yes. I've been taking it hard on the chin all week on social media. People have been shaking. And it's just just wonderful. Thank you.
0: Congratulations, Paul. James. Congratulations, Paul. That's the last award you will ever win on this show. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So so a great uh, moment in the movie bet- uh, with Timothy Carey. What an extremely interesting actor, um, Jordan. If you are listening, let's bring you in, buddy. Let's get let's get your score. Let's get your rankings. Let's bring you on. Um, and what if he doesn't show uh, know, up? what you thought (laughs) no show so until jordan calls in uh let's continue yeah our discussion let's talk about cinematographer lucian ballard uh do we know if uh kubrick ever worked with him again does anyone know
1: let's find out
0: mr jordan raw well jordan's there there. wow
3: how are you guys doing fantastic how about yourself doing good i've been enjoying uh the conversation we can't wait to see what
0: you think. But first, uh, I got to talk about what's behind you here. Are those, are those all movies?
3: These are all movies. These are my 1500 Blu-rays. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I have a bit of an obsession. And I have this one right here. Oh, oh, oh there we go. Okay. Live, Live shot. shot. There we go.
0: Thanks for yep. pointing out how we are all amateurs. And you are, in fact, the professional.
3: Yeah, man, that's that's what I'm here for.
0: So how? So you were telling me. So uh, I've already told everybody who you are, but you were telling me on set that you keep track of every movie you've ever watched, right?
3: Yes. I, I don't know if y'all use uh, Letterboxed. It's a, a website where you can basically make lists of, you know, different movie related lists. So like you can rank your, your favorite Martin Scorsese movies, or you can have a list that just is all of your, your Blu-ray collection or whatever. So I have like 300 lists that I've made on there and every movie I've ever seen, I've logged on that website. So I'm right now, I think close to 4,500 movies that I've seen throughout my life. So Jesus,
0: yeah. Yeah yeah man you're killing it wow uh, um so how many times have you seen the killing
3: uh i believe it's it. it's probably uh the same as paul about four now um and yeah i i lo- i won't give my do when do i give my score we'll like, be doing that, that momentarily
0: it. let's just okay. get context into who you are I, I already mentioned that you're an actor on the chosen yeah uh, just give me a little bit more what's what's going on with you where, where do you come from where who are you
3: right yeah yeah <laughs> um so I, uh, like you said, I'm an actor. I'm based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, and I started acting when I was six and then started doing it professionally when I was about 12. Um, and since then have just, a, a, from a really, really early age, I started watching movies with my grandpas. Um, and we would watch like Abbott and Costello films or like the, the universal monster movies, like the Wolfman and Frankenstein. And, um, watching all of those like classic movies as a little kid. And that kind of started my, my love for for cinema and for classic films. And uh, from there I, I got into to acting. And then when I was in college, we had a film history class and I watched some of the, you know, like some of Kubrick's other films like 2001. And uh, we kind of went through a lot of the AFI's top 100 and that, inspired me to watch all of AFI's top 100 and every best picture winner. Um, wow. And uh, I've just been kind of adding to anytime I hear of a, a classic movie or a movie that, you know, Edgar Wright recommends or Guillermo del Toro or whatever, I, I go out and, and seek that movie out and watch it. So yeah. And what are you working on right now, Jordan? Uh, other than The Chosen. No, no, no. That's um, the one I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Yes. So The Chosen, uh, we're getting close to finishing season two um and it's it's been it's had its challenges this season but it's it's been fun and i think that uh this season's gonna be gonna be something special and then i have a couple other things in the pipeline after we we wrap on this so that's exciting yeah yeah cool man jordan can you give me a follow me a follow me follow me oh oh for like the yes with the accent Uh, follow me oh, yeah. oh. oh <laughs> I'm, I'm just is. glad i i sing in season one so i was i'm i'm glad you didn't ask me to sing the song but I, I did because that's <laughs> that's happened a few times
0: um okay so what we're going to do uh is we are going to uh again chris can you show our score is that possible i can
1: give me just a second
0: okay so we're going to bring our mean average score for the killing up and then jordan We'll reveal what he ranked the film, and then we'll find out what the final ranking will be. Cool. So there we go. Aaron gave it an 8.8. Me and Paul an 8.5. Chris an 8.3, which rounded out to an 8.5. So, Jordan, you're going to go to swiftpolling.com. Sorry, I should have told you this beforehand. No worries. Swiftpolling.com, our wonderful sponsors. And you're going to type in 22434, and then you can basically – give us just a brief explanation as to your experience watching the film, and then you'll reveal your ranking.
3: Cool. So let's see here. I, let's see, I'm entering it right now. Um, definite, I, I won't, I won't do submit sponsor. though. Oh wait. Okay. Right. right. So um, yeah. So as far as my experience watching this movie, um, y'all touched on a lot of, of the things that I love about it. It's way ahead of its time in so many different areas. I love watching um, classic films like this or movies, you know, pre 1960 to see, you know, certain tropes or motifs or, or just camera techniques or whatever that, that are, commonplace today that but at the time were completely groundbreaking um one of the things i really really loved about the killing was uh, i think it was aaron mentioned this but the how uh, the camera moves with with the action it's all the camera movements are motivated um i i really love that and that's something that uh kubrick continued carried over into his his later films as well um it's really cool seeing him kind of come into his own. He was only like 27 or 28 when he made this movie. is yeah. Insane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, We're all failures. Um, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah. he, uh, a lot, you know, things like that, he touched on themes, uh, you know, like that, that he kind of revisited later in his career. Um, and he was just, uh, he's one of those directors that like, Unlike you know a, a like a Michael Bay or something where you kind of just know what to expect with their films, but with with him, he could make masterpieces in any genre, and he did in war you know war dramas, in uh, political thrillers, and and like uh, you know comedy comedies, sci-fi, any horror, um, and heist like noir films. So that's actually uh, a great
0: point. Is he actually seeked out different genres to almost yeah. like maybe in a competitive nature even right and and Ooh. his
3: films weren't you know they weren't necessarily like the the highest grossing films ever made and and not like 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 you talked about Yoshi uh you may not have one of his movies as like your favorite movie of all time but you enjoy all of his movies and you can acknowledge like how how, uh, groundbreaking they all are. Um, yeah. and that's kind of where I stand too. I love his movies. Uh, none of them are in like my top 10 all time, but, um, they're just, there's no denying his, his genius. And, uh, I think that, uh, he, he kind of reminds me of like Denis Villeneuve is kind of a, a current, director that reminds me of of him because his movies may not necessarily be huge financial successes um but i think in the long run they're going to be more appreciated which is kind of what happened with with kubrick but um anyway sorry i'm rambling that's okay Uh, that's okay i am go ahead final ranking for the killing i'm submitting it now
1: oh so go. it
0: stays the same uh, it stays exactly the
1: same, exactly the same.
0: The same. Jeez, wait hasn't this right happened before society yeah the yeah. nashville
2: yeah What's when it? i re-ranked uh
0: rosemary's
1: baby oh that's what it was, that's oh, what it was. oh right 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 or um, M. yeah okay
0: so okay, yeah. once again our um algorithm proves to be the greatest algorithm <laughs> of all time um <laughs> because it stays at an 8.5 um so the killing will forever be an 8.5 great so we don't even need you jordan i'll see you later yeah, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um so before you came on i had brought up um the timothy Carey scene um i just want to bring it back to that real quick first i just want to mention that timothy Carey was on the sergeant peppers album the um he was one of the people in the background but george harrison was staying in front of him so you couldn't see him but uh-huh. it was from this movie so the beatles liked the killing as well yeah um but um Reservoir Dogs, uh, whether or not Timothy Carey is in it, we can't seem to figure that out. The screenplay is
4: dedicated to him. Yeah, yeah. But we're all half right. We're good.
0: But clearly, um, I wanted to ask you guys: Do we know if Kubrick invented this uh, non-linear storytelling in the sense that? you would revisit a scene being uh, a, a being unfolded from a different perspective. So you see the same scene multiple times from different characters' perspectives. Was this done before this, or did Kubrick invent this?
3: I mean, I've kind of looked it up and looked into that because I was wondering the same thing. It's kind of – it may have been done here or there. I don't think to this extent necessarily um, because this movie was kind of looked at as like the pioneer of that that nonlinear storytelling, like structure that then Reservoir Dogs and, and, you know, yeah. other films, usual suspects, you know, a- adopted.
0: Maybe, maybe not nonlinear in not inventive in a nonlinear sense, but in the sense that you're doing this, you're showing the same scene multiple times, but from different angles. Right. I think he might've been the first to do that. I, I haven't been able to find an example doing yeah. it before that.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely unique. Like it's something they I actually was reading that at the time um, the they did some early screenings and audiences were just confused by that that structure. Um, So he re-edited it because the studio was like, yeah, we got to change it. So he re-edited it as a, you know, linear structure and showed them. And it it was apparently even more confusing. So, yeah, it just didn't work that way. Yeah but that's hilarious speaking of someone in the background like the sergeant pepper thing did you know that uh rodney dangerfield this was his film debut yeah 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 yeah
0: we must have watched the same uh thing because i saw that too like he's at the end of the bar and then he's like again in the background but yeah
3: hood. you see his big old eyes like looking over the guy's shoulder Ooh. it's
0: hilarious dude that guy like made his break in his like 60s or something like he was so old when he made his break yeah um Another thing that was a first, I think, was from that same video that you and I both watched. Jordan was the uh, the gun in the box of flowers. Uh-huh. That was apparently the first time. So Kubrick invented that idea of putting a, hiding a gun in in a bouquet of flowers box, and then that was repeated in uh, films like Dog Day Afternoon, The Godfather, and Terminator. So uh, just examples of Kubrick being uh, inventive. I want to ask you guys. This is to the group. Um, a scene um, or moment that stood out to you, um, I'll just start because I have a really easy one. Um, every time someone entered that fucking hallway that was like mm. between the locker room and where the money was being held, they had a single light source being hung from above. And anytime there was one scene in particular where somebody went from the locker room into the room where the money was being held um, and like whoever the character was, forgive me, I can't remember, turned left into the hallway and then the camera went back. And then that character was right under the light, which was swinging slightly. It mm-hmm. was such a cool like image of him. And then again, you had it when our sharpshooter there came out with the gun and he had that mask. What stood out to you guys? Um, I wanted to point out, uh,
2: well, I guess it's not a scene in particular, but the tracking shots of the horses was particularly impressive. Um, I mean, these, these horses are going so, so fast and you have these like perfect tracking shots. And I mean, it's almost like unobstructed. I was so fascinated. I, I wanted to see the bird's eye view of what was happening with that camera and how they were tracking this. I mean, you know, how fast they're going and how massive the trail is and how unobstructed the shots were. I just that to me was so uh, phenomenal, and I don't know how they did that or with what kind of zoomed lens they had at the yeah. time.
0: Yeah, it felt like a document, like a like documentary um, footage. It felt like very authentic. Um, it
1: definitely influenced sports directing as well. Ah, mm. oh, yeah, Cooper because just, prior to that, you would have just seen a wide shot of the horses going around, maybe maybe a zoom shot, but now you had this like very tight yeah the whole yeah. way just Chris, one Chris what stood out to yeah. you <clears throat> the the scene that stood out to me is that what you're asking or just the scene that you were talking about scene or a moment yeah just yeah the, the scene that really stood out to me was actually the end uh, where the uh, suitcase is dropped and the swirling money tornado happens and then you just get that shot of his face through the, the fence and I was like oh my God, because yeah, it's one thing, it's like, oh, it got rerouted or he got stuck. Literally the money just scattered to the wind. What what an ending too, like you get that, you get his like defeatism, and then his, his woman is just like, come on, let's just get out of here. They don't know it's us, let's just leave. And then they get, they get fingered as they say in the 1950s. They point him over there, and then it's just a, a slow fade out as those two detectives just approach. Amazing, great way to end the movie.
0: Yeah, possibly a microcosm, and maybe I'm stretching here, but possibly a microcosm of just the sort of uh, pointlessness of 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 what you have to do to sort of cheat the system and uh, acquire like that amount of wealth in a short period of time, yeah. like just greed in general, and how it's just at the end of the day just totally pointless, and you probably had like ten people killed because of your attempt to acquire this wealth. Yep. Paul, what stood out to you?
4: Well, I'll uh, give Chris a chance to get both hands on the soundboard because he's going to have to cue up some love for me. I think my second Boy. viewing was, yeah, my second viewing was in San Francisco on the big screen. So, of course, when we, the question that's I don't think is asked when Johnny's going over the heist plans is the reason for the bankroll from Unger. And it's not clear. I don't think it's asked. I'd have to go back and watch it a fifth time. But then right when Johnny and Unger are together and Unger, you know, sort of puts down marriage and suggests that he and Johnny go and run away dude, what was on that? Beach? Yeah. yeah. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like when it came up on the big screen for, you know, for those, the, for the last year or two, maybe a lot of us haven't gone to the movies. It was like, go daddy. Woo-hoo! There were cat calls coming from the audience. Cause I'm watching it in San Francisco, very mixed oh. audience. So it was like, I said, did that just happen? Was that what I think it is? And it's not something that I think jumps out. Like if you, I don't even, uh, like you, you can't find it anywhere, but I'm like, he wants to run away with him right i'm like because clearly some people more sophisticated than me picked up on it but i just loved it it's just this really beautiful moment where you're like yeah we could just run away
0: and but it really was it
4: gay or was it just no but it seems like a like a, a, a it was a puzzling insinuation and i thought hmm, interesting there we go
0: hmm. hmm.
4: i think so what a puzzling, puzzling situation yeah That's-
0: very puzzling yeah, yeah so I think that, that – because I was looking for an explanation as to why he gets drunk and, and potentially almost fucks it all up later <laughs> yeah, cause on because that's not know. explained either. So yeah. I, that, that would make sense if, if it was a gay thing because right. he was turned down by this man he was loved. That, that part – I don't know what the motivation is for Kubrick to throw that mm. in if you're not going to explain it or explore it. Any ideas?
2: Yeah. I think oh, no. you hit it. I think it's yeah. just like, you know, he had his own ideas of it. And it's the whole thing unravels, you know, the whole film unravels with these horseshoes and, you know, things you can't plan. And I think that guy was investing in this heist to get the attention of, sorry, what was that actor's
4: name? The main yeah. guy? Yeah, Jay, uh, Jay Flippin. He played Marvin Unger. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Marvin Unger. Sterling Marvin.
0: Hayden played Johnny. And then, yep. And then, oh, yeah, Flippin yeah. played Marvin. Yeah, so yeah.
2: I think he just wanted his attention, and then yeah. at the end, it was kind of the last-ditch, like, hey, why don't we just go get a mojito? Like, just-
0: <laughs> but it felt it more worked. father-son for me until, yeah. until I realized that he had gotten drunk, because then it makes me feel like there was feelings involved. Feelings,
4: yeah, which, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's pretty universal. Or maybe
0: there was some gay stuff going on before. Five and, years away, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, uh, Marvin... Was like oh so that was just like a drunken moment for you like it wasn't like uh, anything serious yeah who knows I don't know but
3: no we're on the up and up we're, we're on up. the up and up there <laughs> <laughs> not floozy's here
0: Jordan did any scene or moment stand out to you
3: <laughs> yeah uh, you you guys already kind of touched on it but the uh, the shootout in in the apartment where with the shotgun is just like so jarring even by today's standards and it's uh, so like gratuitously violent and gory and especially if you're watching it through the lens of people back in 1957 sitting in the theater seeing that when you know normally if someone shot they wouldn't even show a drop of blood you know they just like fall over and and die so um that it was it was interesting watching that knowing you know what Kubrick did and his later films with violence um, like clockwork orange and uh, you know kind of where it came from what what started him on that that path because he was clearly fascinated by you know uh, our humans ability to to do violence against each other so uh, I think that that was the scene that anytime I think of this movie that is kind of like the the scene that pops into my head is and also it's a small moment, but the the clown mask, uh, I, yeah. I, just that the poster, the clown mask, and then, speaking of like other directors being influenced by him, like Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan influenced by this movie with not only like Memento and Dunkirk and, you know, these other nonlinear uh, stories. But with the Dark Knight, first time you see the Joker, he's wearing a mask very similar to the one that's in yeah. this. So, um, that that image as well pops into my head. With a
1: heist that it that goes wrong. wrong yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's yeah.
0: a, it's absolutely om- an homage to this film. And For uh, sure. it's, it's so cool as uh, an, an, an audience member to be familiar with the Dark Knight and not be familiar with the killing. And then this pops up and you're like, oh, the mask from the Dark Knight. That's where that like, came from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, that's that. Huh. Yeah, that was a, a a fun moment. Hey, uh, by the way, don't know his name, but was that Marlon Brando's brother who was like the guy <laughs> that
1: she was like cheating on e- Elisha's character? Super with? fucking <laughs> handsome.
0: What <laughs> almost looked like Marlon,
1: almost B- too handsome. I was like, what the fuck? Like this guy should be the main actor.
0: But Zuzu, Zuzu my girlfriend thought it was Marlon Brando, and I was like, it's not. Right. But like. Brand this was around the same time as Brando getting started too. So it was like I wasn't sure if this guy was casted because he looked like Brando or if this was pre Brando. I couldn't I wasn't really sure. Uh, it was
4: uh yeah Vince Edwards for a generation Vince. before us. Yeah, he was uh uh with Dr. Ben Casey and uh, that's what he was known for as a TV show. Um, and I don't think I've got the name right. Might have been Dr. Casey. It is so doctor, uh, Dr. Dr. Ben Dr. Ben Casey. Dr. Ben Casey. Yeah. Um mm. But yeah, he's, uh, yeah, that, uh, rugged handsomeness, uh, served him
0: well. Um, I would like to point out, uh, the, I brought up cinematographer Lucian Ballard. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, uh, I'm not sure if Kubrick worked with him again. I probably yeah, should have done did. the research. He did or
4: didn't. I didn't, I didn't see it Yeah, I didn't see that yeah. connection feature, but, uh, well, obviously worked with Peckinpah a couple of times. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Um, but I did I did appreciate the sort of single-source lighting that he, him and Kubrick were able to achieve in this that was able to create that sort of uh, kind of drowning out the, 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 the exterior of what was happening. It was all really singularly focused because of that single-source lighting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we again, not to beat a dead horse here, but this did feel like Kubrick was um, really just changing cinema in many ways.
2: Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, there was something I wanted to point out that I'm not sure if is something significant or maybe you guys caught on as well, but um, I love his use of threes in framing. And I don't know if that's the cinematographer's idea or Kubrick or a mix, but a lot of things end up in frames of threes. Like if you think about the last shot where the detectives are coming out and the airport... Um, mm. Uh, the airport check-in guy is behind him. It's a perfect frame of three people. And then like, you know how they keep cutting to like the horns that are announcing and the horses are going down. It's like in a group of three and it's a stark contrast of like a full white sky with like the three speakers perfectly in a nice, like the framings are very interesting. And I kept noticing groups of three. He loved to show horse number three Horse number six, horse number mm. nine. So oh, I kept wow. seeing these threes theme. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's like something spiritual with him or if it was a happy accident. But I found a lot of the most powerful framings of the film were in these groups of three, which is something I'm going to take with my myself when I start doing more cinematography because I find the frames just mm. come alive in that in those groupings.
0: That is interesting. Well, Kubrick, it was like a lover of math, right? He was like some kind of mathematician wizard, some kind um, of
1: math nerd. He
0: was a chess. He was a chess nerd for sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then of course he was involved with, uh, in the shining with, uh, you know, there's what, I guess he was involved with NASA. I don't know if it was like to the degree that people believe where he faked the moon landing, but he was involved with NASA to some degree. Um, so and, and there's a bunch of like num- numerology stuff hidden within The Shining, too. So he did. He definitely had an affinity for numbers. So that is an interesting find. Yeah, I
2: think if you view it again, you'll see these a lot of characters where they do close ups, though, like even when they were at the table and the, the woman came or, you know, she was knocking or she was found on the outside listening. Right. They have that shot of the three actors looking at the door and it's face, 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 you know, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just these like very i don't know they're very stark it's very um i don't know i love it maybe
3: it's kind of since everything goes wrong in this this heist maybe it's kind of uh, has something to do with you know the saying that like tragedy strikes in threes like it's always three things that happen you know mm-hmm. with each other so maybe it's something maybe it's alluding to that a little bit oh that's interesting
2: i've never even heard that that saying so that that could be it too
3: yeah Comedy comes in threes. Comedy
0: Hot. comes in threes, yeah. Well, cue yeah. up the soundboard, Chris, because it's that time of the show. But, I mean, in the Do Bible, it. number three is a huge number. Uh, uh. It's, like, it's like the number of harmony. It's Jesus was resurrected after three days of being dead. And, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, at the Trinity of life. Oh,
1: Go ahead, oh my God.
0: I thought it was Hieronymus Yosh was what you do in those moments. I can't, I can't <laughs>
1: no, I replaced it with, Oh my God.
0: Yeah, that works as well. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, the number three. Um, cool. Uh, Jordan, do you have any uh, closing remarks on the killing?
3: Um, No, I mean, I, I think that uh, we covered pretty much everything. I just, I really like this movie. I, I feel like it's one of his more underrated films and it's easy to kind of lose it and whenever you're looking at his overall filmography and with the heavy hitters like Clockwork Orange and 2001 and The Shining um but I I think that it's it's a great movie and um you know I I think that anyone who likes noir films or heist films or Kubrick in general or whatever I think that it, I would definitely recommend it to people
0: if you were to bring a film to our show for us to review what would it be mm. Sorry to put and
3: you on the don't, spot. Say <laughs> don't say nashville don't say Nashville. oh man okay what what decades like are, are we working with anything we uh, want
2: masterpieces
3: okay <laughs> the king of comedy
0: oh it's uh it's a wonderful film yeah i, I absolutely love it did you uh did you like
3: um joker yeah, I mean, uh, there there were, I, I enjoyed aspects of it, but to me it was just, like, it was more than just taking uh, some inspiration from the King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. It was just like, it Recycling was a little, of it. yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't a whole lot, like, there wasn't really anything new. There was no really, there wasn't really a reason to to do it. They just kind of recycled all the stuff from those movies and, and put it in this, newer one i felt um but i i still enjoyed it i thought joaquin phoenix was great in it i thought that you know the cinematography was great i thought it was really well done but um if i were to go watch another movie like that i would just watch king of comedy or taxi driver again. yeah that's
0: my that's my argument as well when people ask me about the joker it's like well, king of comedy is just so much better yeah um, King of Comedy is a, is, a, is a great film, and it's one that right. nobody really knows about, so that is a good recommendation, and we will uh, take it to heart. We'll put it I'm in saying,
3: new... I'm looking at my King of Comedy poster, so that's what what made me oh, nice. think of that. Oh,
0: nice. Oh, wow. Rupert. Well, it's funny because yeah. I'm
3: looking at my El
0: Topo
1: poster right now. Yeah, All right. Awesome. My dreams. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hopefully you'll come on again someday, and uh, maybe you can bring King of Comedy or another film to the show.
3: Of course. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me.
0: Everyone check out The Chosen. Uh, Download The Chosen app. Jordan, uh, season one is already out and Jordan is in that season. Season two should be coming out by springtime, I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, So download The Chosen app to watch that show or you can also see season one for free on YouTube right now. Jordan, thanks for joining us, bro.
3: Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Bye.